Testing, testing. We know the mic's on, but we've got some pretty pictures. <coughs> All right, try that. Ah, there you go. Okay, morning, y'all. Welcome to Skillman Bible Church. My name is Josh Bleeker, and I serve as an elder here, and periodically am given the remarkable grace of being able to speak from God's Word. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. We're grateful that we can come and that we can dive into your word that has been given so generously and so freely to us and that we are not restricted in our freedoms here. We ask for your grace upon our brothers and sisters who have to gather in secret, who are prevented from gathering, or who, when they are found out, suffer. We ask for your mercy in their lives and justice for their oppressors according to your goodwill. For us this morning, Father, would you soften our hearts, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and grace in our hearts to obey what you are saying to us, your church. We submit to her head, Jesus Christ and the Spirit who gives light for our path. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but this is one of the most perplexing questions that I've ever encountered, and I continue to encounter it. It doesn't go away. There are so many points in my life where this question resurfaces, and sometimes I just wish that I could see what the angels see or hear what they hear or stand where they stand because I'm convinced that if I could do that, if I could see and hear and stand and be like an angel, then, then what? Then there would be no more mystery, right? It would be so easy to be a Christian if I were just an angel. Now, there's a double entendre there, but the point is, I won't speak for you, but I know that for myself, I just wish I always knew a little bit more. I wish I had been given a little bit more. I wish I had a little bit more divine angle on what's happening in my own life, because then it would be that much easier. Well, we have some examples where people knew exactly what God's will was, and they still went in the other direction, got banished from the garden, or actually really ran the other direction, and he ended up in the belly of a fish. I encourage you to come to adult teaching to learn more about that. But even the angels, it says in 1 Peter, that there are mysteries beyond their reach. And in Hebrews chapter 1, it says they long to be like one of us so that they can experience brotherhood 
with Christ and no salvation. The ironic thing is that sometimes we want to be like the angels, but they want to be like us. The grass is always greener on the other side. And further, Deuteronomy 29.29 is one of the most blessedly frustrating passages in the entire Bible. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. Why? So that we may do all the words of this law. So there are some things that we will just never know. And when it's talking about the Son of God, it says, but concerning that day and hour, and we're talking about when Christ will return. That's the context of this passage. No one knows. Angels don't know, nor the Son of God knows, only the Father. Now, there is a grand mystery there into which we are not going to dive. But let me just make this point. If there are some things that even Jesus doesn't know, don't be offended if there's some things that you don't know. (laughs) Okay? Don't let that stress you out. Because if you see this, there are things that have been revealed. And we can rely on those things. And that's where I want to grab hold of the truth that is right in front of us. And it's not wrong for us to want to know or to see what the angels see or to have more knowledge. Why? Because the end result of that is that we want a firm grip on God's will so that we can obey. We just want to know, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. I just want to know. I want to know I'm making the right decision. I just want to know that I'm honoring you with how I choose to live my day. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. And we should lean into that. And what I would say is that if you want to do God's will, then he's revealed it to us. Another way to say it is, if you want to discover God's will, if there's something that seems unclear to you, then do what God wants, and some things will follow. Because, as our Old Testament reading said, He's shown us, O church, what is good and what the Lord requires of us. And what is that? To do justly, to love mercy or kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. I love this from St. Francis. The guy was just really cool. you got to read about him anyway. He said, start by doing what's necessary. We can all start there, right? Some things are very clear about God's will. Then do what's possible. Then suddenly you're doing the impossible. And that's what I would say. If you want to discover God's will for your life, then just start doing what he's already revealed. And pretty soon you're going to find yourself doing the impossible. We're going to look at five aspects in the New Testament 
that explicitly discuss the will of God. And this is the first one. And I wanted to put this up there because it was amazing to me the first time I saw this that the Bible actually says, here is the will of God. I thought it was a complete mystery the whole time. I'm stumbling around like this, just trying to run in. Just maybe, maybe I'll bump into providence somewhere, but I can't find it. The New Testament actually says this. It actually uses the words, the will of God. It blew me away. It's in there at least five times and more. And I'm indebted to a Bible professor at Dallas Seminary. I want to give due credit. Actually, President Bailey opened my eyes to this in a study we were doing one time. And so the, the concepts here... Um, I'm standing on shoulders, even if it's been modified, with this really cool Apple TV that Mike set up. So. But Galatians 1, verses 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Here's the first one. God's will, salvation. It is the will of God, particularly for those who have placed their faith in Christ, to come to know Christ, the Lord and Savior. The will of God, salvation. The reason I'm using the thumb is because, you know, that's one of the most magnificent things about our design as human beings is the opposable thumb. This allows us to grab something and hold on to it. Salvation is that opposable thumb where you can grasp the will of God. Without knowing Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will never know the will of God. You cannot know because you do not have access to the Spirit of God who knows the mind of God and the will of God. Coming to faith in Christ is the first step if you ever want to know what the will of God is for your life. Salvation. And salvation is what we just celebrated. That Christ's body was broken for us, His blood was shed for us, that He paid for our sins by dying on the cross, and that three days later, He rose from the dead, showing that the Father was pleased with that sacrifice. And that through his death, which should be ours, he substituted for us. We will live forever and we will be resurrected in the presence of God on a new earth. But you got to start here, placing your faith in Christ. <clears throat> the next one. This is remarkable. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 for this is the will of God. Wait, wait for it. This is actually an equation. The will of God equals your sanctification. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. And this, I would use our pointer finger. For the more and more we look like Christ the more and more our lives will point to Him. 
Several years ago, Eve and I took a trip to the Seattle area. And we drove over this classic old bridge that's in that area. And there's these sharp cliffs, drop-offs, and you can park and walk down to the beach. And when we got down to the beach, I found two rocks down there. They were strangely similar. They were both pieces of asphalt that had fallen off the bridge down onto the beach. The first one was like this. Jagged, rough, still kind of gooey, really not very pleasant to the touch. Sorry, cleaning crew. (laughs) Well, do you know how they make asphalt? They take this gooey, tar-like substance, and they press thousands of little rocks into it until it becomes this durable substance over which we can drive our cars and our semis. This is you. This is me. We're this raw material into which all these thousands of little rocks of experience and personality and skills, joys, wounds, gains, losses, are pressed into it. But it's really jagged and it's tough to handle. It kind of hurts. The second piece of asphalt that I found was remarkably smooth and pleasant to the touch and rounded and formed. What was the difference? Well, that first piece was just sitting there on the beach. The second piece I found just a little bit into the water. And you know what had happened to it? It had been sanctified. It had been in the water, tumbling around with the waves and thousands of other rocks, constantly being in fellowship with these other pieces of asphalt. And what do you know? It had been smooth, and those rough edges had been taken off, and it had become quite beautiful, actually. When you get saved, you have a lot of rough edges. Trust me. But these little rocks that are pressed into you, what make you who you are, they don't go away. They're just sanctified. And when you're in fellowship with other believers constantly, it's not just that those rough edges are smoothed off. It's that you're actually made beautiful.
It's not that you just turn into kind of a really smooth piece of black dirt with rocks pressed into you. It's that the radiance of the life of Christ explodes from the center of your being and turns you into something that you just want to sit on your mantle and look at it because it's gorgeous. And when you are sanctified, you point to Christ in such a way that people just want to be around you. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Here are three other places where the will of God, that specific phrase, shows up in the New Testament as it relates to your sanctification. And let me just read these to you. Just listen. Listen to what's already been revealed to us in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice. Christians, have a party. Seriously. We should be so fun that people can't stand it not to be around us. 1 Peter 2, 15. For this is the will of God. What? That by doing right, by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And then 2 Corinthians 7, 8-10. through 10. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God. Paul's talking about how he had admonished a group of believers. You were made sorrowful by the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. That's Christian repentance, by the way. Leading to salvation... But the sorrow of the world produces death. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Ephesians 6, 5-6. through 6. Here is our next one. Slaves or bond servants, someone who has willfully sold themselves into the service of another to pay their debt... Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, when they're watching you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. I don't suppose I really need to clarify the symbolism of this particular finger. Right? Okay, so the will of God. Submission. It is godly to submit to our authorities. If we want a clearer contextual element, Romans 13, verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, what he has established. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. God's will is for us to practice submission 
all of us. And that is the naughty finger. Ephesians 2, 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And this is our ring finger, the one that communicates commitment and faithfulness and growing together. God's will is that we would be serving one another. 1 Corinthians 12, one of the standard passages on the spiritual gifts, in verse 18 says, But as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as he decided. And in that passage, it also talks about the Spirit giving gifts according to his will. It is the Spirit's will that some have the gift of teaching or serving Some have the gift of evangelism. Some have the gift of mercy. According to God's will. But it is absolutely God's will for those that have been saved are being sanctified, practicing submission, that they are indeed serving the body. That is God's will. And there are opportunities here at Skillman. If you have any questions about how to follow through on this aspect of discovering God's will, come speak with me or Pastor Eva, Pastor Jeremiah, the elders. We have lots of ways in which you can discover God's will by doing what God wants. Hebrews 10, 36 says, looking towards the end. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Here's one of the main things I want to make sure that we capture today, is that when we talk about the will of God, it's not so much about discovering it, as much as it is just doing it. And that's where the New Testament passage comes in. When you have these two people that say, yes, I'll do that, and then they don't, or no, I'm not going to do that. No, Okay, yes, I will do that. And, and what question does Jesus ask at the end of that passage? Which one has done the will of the Father? See, even though there are secret things that we'll never know, and there's at least one thing that Jesus doesn't know, there's a lot that we do know that has been made very, very, very clear to us. So God's will is not so much about discovering as it is doing. We've got a lot to practice. A lot. So before we become distressed about discovering it, I hope that we can just work on doing it, what's already been revealed to us. And that will require a godly-sized amount of endurance. And then the last one, 1 Peter 4, 19. 
So then, let those who suffer according to the will of God. Lord, have mercy. Entrust their souls to a faithful creator as they do good. The last one here. God may will that you suffer. And in fact, I know stories in here. And I know that God has chosen to let you suffer. Sometimes, not because you are doing right or wrong, but just because we live in a broken world under attack by Satan. But sometimes by doing good, when we trust Christ, when we seek sanctification, we submit and we serve and we do these things, sometimes that's going to result in our suffering. And it might just be God's will. And again, don't let this stress you out. Jesus was absolutely perfect in every way and yet suffered. So if you suffer, it's not karma. Christians don't believe in karma. It may just be part of the testimony that indeed Jesus has come and he's coming back. So if all of the other fingers have some symbolism as to why I selected that one, why the pinky? Really, because that's usually just the one that gets cut off in torture scenes and films. So, <laughs> yeah. Good, you're awake. So, another quote from one of our saints, St. Augustine, in his homily on the book of 1 John chapter 4, he says, love and then do what you will. If we want to put this in slightly more colloquial terms, and some of you may have heard this before, love and then do whatever you want. Now this is not license. This is not do what you love or just do whatever you want. But if your basis, if your context, if your grid, if your deciding factor is to do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God, if that's how you make all of your decisions and no decision is made without that context, then do whatever you want. Because you're going to be in God's will. Love and then do what you will. So how do we grasp the will of God? First, search the scriptures diligently. And one of the things that is a, a real encouragement to me in that passage in Micah is it talks about, and walk humbly. Certainly the humility part, but for me, it's the walking part. Sometimes I just get stuck. I'm so paralyzed by making the right decision. One time, <clears throat> I think Eva even knows where I'm going with this. Okay, so I'm on my way home from work, and I realize that I need to get some ant killer. So I stop in at Home Depot, and, um, you know, 
like I'm going home, so I'm hungry and I want to change clothes. And I, was, I get to the pesticide aisle in Home Depot, and there's a dozen different kinds of ant killer, and. I stood there, I kid you not, I timed it for 30 minutes trying to decide which ant killer to buy. Why? Because I didn't want to upset the Lord. Now again, this is not a bad thing, but it's okay to laugh at me. It won't offend me. But like, I was thinking, okay, this one's like $9.82 and this one's like $10.52 this one has these active ingredients, and this one has this active ingredient. This one's a granule. This one's a spray. What would be better? Oh, we have a dog. I need to think about that. And, and I was there for 30 minutes because I just could not face the reality of making the wrong decision and disobeying God, and then suddenly my whole life is just going to collapse. You know what? And I think the Lord was going, dude, like, it's all poison, man. Just, like, just, just, just buy it and go home. Like, dinner's on the stove. And at a certain point, too, I even, like, I, like, it was the end of the day, and I kind of had to go to the bathroom. I was like, man, I, got, I really got to make a decision, but I can't. I mean, it was just totally stressful, the whole thing. But I could not get past that. The passage says, walk. Just walk. Just go. If it's, an, if it's not a moral decision, then just decide, love, and then do whatever you want. Submit your will through prayer. What is one of the final conversations that the Son has with the Father? Not my will, but yours be done great model for us. Seek godly counsel from those that you know, those that you trust. And again, I wish sometimes that we would just have something fantastically supernatural, because I'm convinced that if I saw a burning bush, I would never struggle with obedience. That's a lie. That's a lie. The other thing, I was reading in, in a book um, by Tim Callies, it says, When we have ruled out what God has expressly forbidden, and when we have searched the Bible and prayed for wisdom, we are free to choose. This seems to be what is modeled for us in the New Testament. We do not find people desperately seeking God's will through dreams or visions, even though God occasionally used that, but we see people making decisions based on what seemed good or best or necessary. And Bruce Waltke, as he discusses this, and especially in Old Testament uh, biblical theology, we cannot take special circumstances and make them the norm by which we live our lives. Special revelation for guidance was not the normal experience. So while we see it in the scriptures, remember, those are exceptionally abnormal, world-changing experiences. That's not the normative way that God communicates. At the time it was received by Paul or Peter, it was not being sought out. Special revelation came at a time when God wanted to lead them apart from the normal ways in which his people make choices. 
Search the scriptures, submit your will, seek counsel, and then set your path. Just buy some ant killer and go home, okay? Now, we may be facing some questions that we wish the Lord would just speak to us. For some of us, the big questions that came initially were, which college should I go to? Or whom should I marry? Or which job should I take? Many of us have moved through that, and now we're coming to a new season, such as, should I put my kids in public or private school? Should I take a different job than my first one? Or how do I care for my aging parents? I don't have an answer to those questions. But I do know this, that it is God's will that you be sanctified. And that if you do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God, love and then do what you will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have revealed enough to us that we can confidently obey. May you help us see and hear and act according to your good and pleasing will. In